This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 14th, 2024. Hope, obedient. Here in the sanctuary, there at home, wherever you might be, good morning, good morning. Isn't it just a glorious day to be part of God's creation? Amen? Amen. Amen. Notice I just brought one stand up this morning. It's not because we're sharing. Carrie's not here today. She and some, golly day, these are friends from uh, about 40 years from back where we were Seaford. They're down in the Dominican Republic at Punta Cana. Keep them in prayer, please. They are on mission. I believe Carrie's mission is to get as much sun in three days as she can possibly get. And so, anyway, it's me today. So today we're going to continue our series on hope that we started last week. Last week we talked about how hope involves holiness. So we're spelling hope, H-O-P-E, holiness. Today we've got the letter O, and that stands for obedience. Obedience. So my name's Alan Jones. I'm a sinner who's been saved by God's grace in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Most holy God, I just uh, pray that we would be faithful to you and your word, that you would speak through me, that those here today, wherever they might be here in the sanctuary online, wherever they might be, would, uh, would hear what you have to say, would be changed and transformed, and new life would come about. We thank you, we praise you, glorify your holy name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all those gathered said, amen, amen. So the word hope, as, as we shared last week, big difference between secular hope and sacred hope, between hope of the world and the hope that God brings us. So secular hope is defined as wanting something to happen or to be true and usually, that's interesting, usually having a good reason for thinking it might happen. And the operative word there is might. Say might. That's the last time I want you to say that today. <laughs> might. Hope and wish are, 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 are key words here and virtually interchangeable, hoping and wishing. This type of hope is based on, on, on dreams and desires. And there's little certainty involved. I hope I get a raise. I, I, I hope it doesn't snow today. I hope the car makes it through another season. I hope, I hope, I hope. You get the point. Sacred hope or Christian hope, on the other hand, it's a little different. Uh, the focus is not on dreams and desires, not on wanting and wishing. The operative word isn't might. Christian hope focuses on the confident expectation, expectation. I expect this to come about. Confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in His faithfulness. The operative words with sacred hope are God's faithfulness. Say God's faithfulness. Yeah, there we go. Confident expectation that God will deliver what God has promised. God is at the center of this sacred hope, this Christian hope, not maybe or might. So then what does obedience have to do with this hope we talk about? 
Generally speaking, when you look up hope in the Bible, you don't find obedience right there or vice versa. I looked, I did a little word search, Bible Gateway. Uh, hope, obedience. It came up blank without, you know, to get those two right there in the context of each other. And yet there is a connection when we really look into it, when we think about it, when we pray on it. Check out what I found in a blog from the uh, Billy Graham Library. Anybody ever been to the Billy Graham Library? It's a cool place, isn't it? Yeah, down there is home. Billy Graham Library dated December 11, 2019. Here's what it says. True hope comes by trusting God, trusting God, even when circumstances are difficult. Anybody here ever did that? Trust God even when things are tough. <clears throat> One way to know whether you're trusting God is whether you're obeying His Word. There's that hope and then obey. You get that obey. Trust produces obedience, which produces hope, which results in joy and peace, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. When we felt God calling us to start Connection Community Church, there weren't any guarantees, there weren't any assurances. There was faith and trust. Those were the guarantees and the assurances. Trust that we were being faithful to what God was calling us to do. Trust that we were being obedient to what God had in mind. And that obedience produced hope. Not the hope that maybe things would work out. The hope was that God would deliver. Not might deliver, maybe could, He would deliver, just as God had always delivered when we were obedient to His call. It would have been difficult to be hopeful if we hadn't been obedient. They go hand in hand. And just look around. God delivered, didn't he? Just look around. Just as we hoped that he would, just as we trusted that he would, just as we knew God would. Doesn't mean it's all been all smooth sailing, has it? <laughs> Doesn't mean there haven't been a few times when we pushed faithful right to the limit. <laughs> but our confident expectations have been fulfilled continue to be fulfilled as we have had and continue to have the privilege of watching God in action and walking with him hand in hand. Amen? Wow. So what we're talking about here is the difference between hopeful, F-U-L, and hope-filled, F-I-L-L-E-D. Hopeful versus hope-filled. Hopeful is that secular hope we talked about last week and again this morning, with the operative word, as I said, being might. I'm hopeful I get through without any problems. I, I'm hopeful that we have enough money for vacation we're planning, things like that. Compare that to hope-filled. After reading the book of Luke, I am hope-filled that Jesus reaches the least, the last, and the lost. I'm, I'm hope-filled that our prayer focus for 2024, Adore in 24, will reach both the church and the unchurched and will make a difference in our community and beyond. 
I'm not just hopeful, but I'm overwhelmed with a certain hope that things are going to happen. I'm hope-filled. Let's take a look once again at the Scripture we focused on last week. 1 Peter, 1st chapter, verses 16 through 17. Again, I'm going to share the message version because I like what it says. I like the way Eugene Peterson approaches this. It's just it's really, it's very understandable when he says, so roll up your sleeves. Hey, there you go. Already done. Get your head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. <laughs> doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You, you do now. See, that's the problem with being here. You do now. <laughs> no excuses. Here's the key. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled in a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Say blazing with holiness. Doesn't that just energize you? Man, blazing with holiness. God said, I'm holy. You be holy. So last week we looked at this passage, if you were here, with a focus on the holiness, because that's what it talks about, on, on rolling up sleeves, getting our heads in the game, being ready when Jesus comes back. We focus on not slipping into our old grooves of evil, and we've all got them. <laughs> but there were three important words here that we didn't really emphasize last week, but we need to today. As obedient children. Say it with me. As obedient children. And I'm sure everyone here was an absolute obedient child, weren't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> obedient children, that's you and me. Remember when you were a kid, though? <laughs> when you were a child. <laughs> obedient, but there were times of disobedience, weren't there? And what usually kept us in line was... Well, it was the consequences of being disobedient, wasn't it? You know, getting in trouble, right? You know, we were kind of pushed into obedience. I was thinking about this. I, I was telling uh, Barry Ritter of the message. He said, tell him, tell him about that one time, Alan. Because uh, I know I appear to be perfect from childhood. I know, I know. But there were occasional lapses, like, I was 10. We'd moved from one side of Newark to the other. It was a new neighborhood, new houses. And so, what we would call a yard really wasn't a yard. It was a piece of dirt with some seed scattered on it. So, we moved in March. So, my father, I think one of his favorite um, things when I was a child was to have me water. At our old place, of water the hedge, and here it was water the dirt. And I know they had sprinklers back then. I'm sure that you could just put a sprinkler on the end of the hose and watch it oscillate. But no, no. Dad would rather watch Alan oscillate. <laughs> of course, at, at 10, I'm sure Alan, because like now, I don't like to oscillate now. I sure didn't like it then. And I probably, maybe didn't water it as extensively as dad was hoping. In fact, I'm pretty sure that when he said, Alan, when I say water the yard, I mean water the yard. Yeah. Whew. 
And I'm 10, but you know, even at 10, I have this little streak in me that said, okay, Dad, you want it watered? We'll put some water on it. And I still remember my father at the end of that day with the hose and the mud, just scraping the mud off the hose after the well-watered yard that I gave him. It's something that I'm still standing here today, but I am. Anyway, so we, we not only have disobedient, I mean, that was, um, that was kind of defiant. Somebody earlier said, that was passive-aggressive. I said, no, I think it was just downright defiant. Uh, I, I think it was uh, rebellious. I think it was being a smart aleck 10-year-old. But, uh, and aren't we sometimes like that with God? It's not just disobedient. We are rebellious, aren't we? Uh, sometimes we're defiant. I'll do it my way, God. Yeah. Hmm. But in this passage, it talks about being pulled. And we talked about that last week, pulled rather than pushed. Remember, talked about like a string or a thread. When you push it, it's, it's not going to go where you want. But when you pull it, it easily, you can easily bring it in wherever you want it, can't you? Yeah. We're told here to let ourselves be pulled as obedient children, be pulled in a way of life shaped by God's holiness. We are obedient not because we're forced to be, but because we're encouraged to be. And as obedient children, we trust in God, uh, in the God we are obedient to. We're obedient because we can trust God. As obedient children, we choose every day to have hope. Confident that God that God will deliver what God has promised. Confident that the God, who be, the God who delivered yesterday will deliver today and continue to deliver into the future. Pastor and author Henry Blackaby. Oh, man, we had a great Bible study with Henry Blackaby when we first started. I can't think of the name off offhand. Um, but it was a great Bible study here when we first started this church. And... Um, this is what Blackaby said. He said, God's commands are designed to guide you to life's very best. In other words, God isn't just making demands to, to boss us around, to let us know he's in charge. He, he does it because he wants what's best for you and me. And so when he makes these demands, they're designed for our good. You will not obey him if you do not believe him and trust him. You cannot believe him if you do not love him. Blackaby says, you cannot love him unless you know him. Hello. Blackaby also said this, if you know that God loves you, you should never question a directive from him. Wow. It will always be right and best. When he gives you, when God gives you a directive, you're not just to observe it, discuss it, or debate it. You are to obey it. There's that word, obey. Wow. Obedience. So, what do we mean by that obedience anyway? Obedience means to comply with a, a request, an order, or a law. It means submission. If you know, like English roots, sub means under, like submarine under the water. Submarine sandwich. Now, that's just because it looks like a submarine. Sub is under. Sub, sub, so, sub, submission 
means submit or to put yourself under the authority of another. In our case as believers, for us to be obedient means that we come under, we submit to the authority of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It means that I do what the Father tells me to do. I adhere to His commandments, or I'm supposed to. It means I have read and familiar with what Jesus said and did, and I look to Him and submit to Him as my Lord, my Savior, my King. I look to the Holy Spirit for guidance, for courage, for empowerment to live in accordance with God's will, and I submit to those things. It means practicing, you know those things we call spiritual disciplines, those things like Bible reading, daily, daily devotions, meditations, uh, prayer, worship, confession, fellowship, submission. There's more, but you get the idea. Spiritual discipline. Obedience is coming under God's authority through all these things. Now, there was a guy who, who lived back in the late 18, mid late 1800s. His name was Dr. Alexander McLaren. He was a Bible minister, in England, a Baptist minister in England, and, and he wrote, one, wrote a sermon, uh, just what we're talking about this morning. It was entitled, The Obedience of Hope. In that message, he wrote that Christian hope and Christian obedience are inseparable companions. He said, there are two courses in life, obedience and rebellion. Doing what we're supposed to, or watering the, the dirt till it gets muddy, you know? There's no middle ground. He went on to say that obedience can never be parted from great Christian hope. Hope will produce obedience. And he looked to the scripture we've been looking at, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16, as he pointed out that Peter binds up these two things, hope and obedience. He binds them up. And, 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 you know, we try to keep them distinctly apart, but he says Peter binds them up and affirms that if, if anybody has genuine Christian hope, it will have its effect helping us as children of obedience to do and accept all the Father's will. And McLaren then points out these things that Peter couples, as he says it, with an iron band, hope, and, and, and obedience, that, that what Peter couples, they have reciprocal action on each other. They work with each other, hope and obedience. In fact, he says, they are outside and inside of the same thing, even though they may look, we may look at them as very different from each other. He says, just as strong hope will produce obedience, so true obedience will nourish and strengthen hope. He says that no Christian's hope will last through sin. Obedience and hope must coexist and feed on one another. So it's kind of like this. God leads us to obedience, to what is good and right, to be righteous, to try to follow in the steps of Jesus. And in that obedience, we have hope. Hope that we will be faithful and that God will draw us ever closer to Him through our faithfulness. And as we're drawn ever closer, we are then ever more obedient to God's will, and ever more faithful, 
ever more uh, obedient to God's ways. And as we get ever more obedient, we find ourselves trusting God more and more, living hope-filled lives. Around and around and around it goes. So I was looking in the Psalms, and I found Psalm 25, one of David's Psalms. And, and it gives us insight into this connection between hope and obedience, because they kind of wind in and out through this psalm. And, and I think you'll see what I mean as we read through it. It's a, it's a little lengthy, but I think it's valuable because of the way hope and obedience are tied together throughout. So, oh Lord, I, oh Lord I, give you my, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. There you go. We're kind of putting it out there, right? Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others, those who are disobedient, those who are not faithful to you, Lord. Show me, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lord, give me direction. Let me, help me to be uh, obedient. Lead me by your truth and teach me Help me be obedient, for you are the Lord or the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. See that, how the obedience and the hope just wound in with each other there. Remember, O oh Lord, your compassion, unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth as I watered that yard. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who are disobedient, right, who go astray. There it is. <coughs> he leads the humble in doing right, teaching them His way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep His covenant and obey His commands, His demands. For the honor of Your name, O Lord, forgive me my many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they are to choose. He'll give you direction, right? They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land the Lord is a friend of those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for He rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Yeah. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. You can just hear David, can't you, in some of those times when he, wow, he's gone through it. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain, see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. Yep, I'm, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my... My hope in you. My hope in you. Oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. 
By the way, um, now I didn't figure this out because I don't know Hebrew, but from what I read, this, this is a, a, what they call an acrostic poem. With each verse begins with a, a successive letter from the Hebrew alphabet. It's pretty cool. I guess if you knew Hebrew, it'd be pretty cool. But throughout this psalm, the writer David, King David, weaves hope and obedience. You see that? Hope and obedience, as they play off each other, depend on each other, work with each other. Hope, trusting that God will do what God says God will do, and obedience, faithfully doing what God tells us to do. Submitting to God in God's ways. Psalm 39, verse 7 and 8. Verse 7, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Verse 8, rescue me from my rebellion. (laughs) There's that rebellion word again. Do not let fools mock me. Verse 7 reminds us that our source of hope, all our hope, our only hope, is in the Lord God. We, we put our hope other places, don't we? But our only true hope, the only hope we can count on, is God. Any other hope is a might, a might be. And following immediately, verse 8, is a request that God rescue me from my rebellion, from my lack of obedience, from my pushing back, Lord. In other words, a request that God help me be obedient to him and his ways. <laughs> uh, a request to help me stop fighting against God. Does anybody here fight against God? Don't put your hand up. You can maybe put, just edge your elbow a little bit, yeah. Because we all do, don't we? We all do. And, and sometimes the more we try not to... <laughs> That's, that's when we're even worse. <laughs> Help me stop fighting against you, Lord. Help me stop being rebellious. Help me stop being disobedient. Help me be obedient in all I say and do. Help me be loyal to you, Lord, so that the fools will not mock me. Here's what I find. I was thinking about this all week long because this Obedience and hope. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to blend these things, to see the connection there all week long. And here's the thing. I, I'm not always faithful in my obedience. <laughs> not even close. You know, sometimes I'm less than I would hope when it comes to doing what God tells me to do, when it comes to who God tells me to be. I mean, maybe some of you guys share that, maybe. I don't know. Sometimes my humanity is far too evident. You know how sometimes they say, you know, they put these pastors up on a pedestal. I've never, I've never had to worry about that. <laughs> I work overtime on keeping that pedestal ground level at best. Sometimes my humanity is far too evident in my day-to-day. So sometimes my, 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 uh, that childhood defiance... Uh, that rebelliousness is still there. But, and this is a reality, this is a really important thing, a really important but. When I am 
faithful in my obedience. And I'm practicing my life what God has told me to practice in my life. When I'm doing those spiritual disciplines like I'm supposed to do, when I'm faithful to Jesus and his words and actions has given to me through the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, when I'm truly faithful in my obedience, and maybe you found this too, when we're truly obedient, my hope, hopefully your hope, is at an all-time high. Yeah. And it's not because uh, anything about me, it's because I'm closer to God when I'm obedient. When I'm closer to God, I'm more trusting, and I know that hope just comes through. Through my obedience, I know who God is and what God expects. And when I know who God is and what God expects, I know that this God that I worship is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and will never change. And I know that my hope, my expectation that God will deliver on what God has promised is for certain. It's for real. It cannot be denied. My obedience and my hope walk hand in hand. Amen? Amen. You know, it's hard for me to look to God for hope when I'm turned away from God in disobedience. It's hard to look to Him for hope when we're turned away from Him, when we're rebelling, when we're pushing away. It doesn't work. Disobedience and hope just do not go together. It's a disconnect. They work against each other. On the other hand, obedience and hope are perfect companions. Perfect companions. They complement each other like two peas in a pod. I remember that great old hymn. Maybe you've heard it once or twice. I won't sing it. You can just relax. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what we're talking about. It's not on a maybe, not on a might, but a solid hope built on the fact that he shed his blood for you and for me and that he is righteous doing what is right by God. And that calls for me to be righteous as well, for you to be righteous as well, obediently following God's call on our lives on all that I do. What about you? What about you? That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, um, obedient, that's a, that's a good word. <laughs> we tend to be uh, less than obedient. We tend to turn from you, Lord. We tend to uh, disrespect. We tend to push away. But you call us to obedience because you know that's what's best for us. And, and this obedience we talk about, uh, through that obedience we find hope. Not a maybe or a might, but the hope of definitively that you will deliver one what you have promised, that, that you will be yesterday and today and tomorrow the same, never failing always faithful, giving us your best, expecting from us our best. 
And so, Lord, please help us. Give that strength to be obedient in our hope. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. All those gathered said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Thank you.